Good morning, Deep Roots. Thank you for joining us for our third year anniversary Sunday service today. Uh, before we begin, I will just open us up in a word of prayer. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for just giving us this gift of Sunday today. And as we just reflect back in the previous years, Lord, we just see your faithfulness and the love and the blessings that you have just poured down upon us as a church. We thank you so much for just continuing to just love Deep Roots Church. And Father, we just pray that as a church, that through our service today, may we just be able to glorify you. In the songs that we sing, we just pray that we will just praise your name above all, and that, Lord, you will just continue to just strengthen Reverend Andrew as the leader of this church, continue to just give him wisdom, and please protect him against any attacks or hindrances from the enemy. We pray that as Reverend Andrew acts as your mouthpiece today, that your word will be delivered to us, and our hearts will just be open and receptive as we listen today, Lord. Heavenly Father, we just want to dedicate this Sunday and just everything we are to you. We just pray that you would just unite us today. And we just love you so much. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let us pray together. Let me just start off with Psalm 90. It says this, Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the whole world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn people back to dust, saying, Return to dust, you mortals. A thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by, or like a watch in the night. Yet you sweep people away in the sleep of death, they are like the new grass of the morning. In the morning it springs up new, but by evening it is dry and withered. We are consumed by your anger and terrified by your indignation. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. All our days pass away under your wrath. We finish our ears with a moan. Our days may come to 70 years or 80. If our strength endures, yet the best of them are but, tr but trouble and sorrow, for they are quickly passed and we fly away. If only we knew the power of your anger, your wrath is as great as the fear that is due. Teach us to number our days, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Relent, Lord, how long will it be? Have compassion on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love, that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, for as many years as we have, been, as we have seen trouble. May your deeds be shown to your servants, your splendor to their children. May the favor of the Lord our God rest on us. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands lord i pray with all my heart may this message be the message of this hour on september 19 2021 celebrating our third year anniversary as an independent church 
as today marks the third year anniversary of our church being an independent church. Lord, we honor you and we give you thanks. And remember your goodness and your faithfulness, O God, as it says in Psalm 90. Lord, help us to number our days. Help us to know that you are near and that you love us and that you care for us. Lord, as you transition now to the message, pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts for those who will be listening here today, Lord, may it be pure and right before you, O Lord. For, Lord, you are our rock and our redeemer. Lord, we love you. We pray all these things in your precious Son, Jesus Christ, let me pray. God's people pray. Amen and amen. God bless you all. Let's turn to our neighbor and say happy third year anniversary. Let's get in with today's message. Uh, We'll be skipping our Authentic Christianity Christian series. But today will be a special message. We're going to do something separate from Samuel. And today the title is called, You Are Wretched, Pitiful, and Poor. You are wretched, pitiful, and poor. As I was preparing for this message this week, I prayed, Lord, uh, God, please give me the word and the message for this time, for the season that we're in, for this hour. And I was led to Revelation chapter 3, and 2 specifically to the Laodicean church. I know that on Thursdays, we've been on our Revelation series. We've been studying the book of Revelation. We haven't gotten to the last church, the Laodicean church yet. But I was led to chapter 3 and led to the Laodicean church. Again, as I'm here to deliver this message, as I have done many times before here with you for many years, I'm not interested in delivering a good sermon I'm not interested in looking good or speaking well or looking professional. But what's important here is that we apply what we hear from God, the words that we hear from the Word of God, and that we are sanctified in the image of our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, this is our third year anniversary, and anniversary helps us to reflect and to reflect on our past and reflect where we are today. Where are we standing before God at this very moment on September 19, 2021? We apply and that we are sanctified again in the image of our Lord Jesus Christ, that we abide in Christ and that we are transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. With that, let's turn to our main passage, Revelation chapter 3. Uh, We're going to focus specifically on verse 14 through 22. Revelation chapter 3, verse 14 through 22. Now, it says this in verse 14, To the angel of the church in Laodicea write, These are the words of the Amen. Can we all say Amen. What does it mean here that says amen? Amen is affirmation. It's to affirm the truth together. It's to seal together. So when we say amen, we confirm and we finalize it. It's that final seal that was said at the end, that we say at the end, and we affirm it and we confirm it together as a church. So these are the words of the amen. 
the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. Verse 16, so because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Verse 18, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Verse 20, unto the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Amen. This week when I read chapter 3, specifically the Laodicean church, yes, it was written in 95 AD, and it reminded me of our Deep Roots Church in 2021. I found a deep correlation connection between the Laodicean church and our Deep Roots Church. I believe every church in the world, they should set their standard, and compare themselves to these seven churches that is found in the book of Revelation. Because these churches, they make up all the churches all around the world. Laodicean church and the Philadelphia church, the two churches are the only churches that are commanded before God. No, I'm sorry. Smyrna and the Philadelphia churches are the only two churches that are commanded before God. But every other churches. Ephesus, Pergamum, Theatira, Sardis, and Laodicea. They are somehow condemned and they are reminded that if they don't turn from their evil ways, from their wickedness, that I will bring judgment and I will spit you out of my mouth, says the Lord. So the question when we read the book of Revelation, when we read specifically of these seven churches, the question is not, how are the other churches doing? How is everyone else doing? But more than how others are doing, the right question to ask when we read the book of Revelation is to ask this, how are we doing as Deep Roots Church? How am I doing? Because salvation is an individual decision. It's an individual act. So the question is, how are you doing? The question is, how am I doing in my relationship with God? And this passage that's found here in chapter 3, verse 14 to 22, reflects our church perfectly in the season that our church is in right now. Like the book of Revelation like Ezekiel, like Daniel, like Ezra, John the writer, he received the revelation from God and is now addressing a specific issue surrounding the churches in this region. Again, these seven churches are found in Asia Minor. It's modern-day Turkey. These cities exist today. John, who is the writer, 
He is like kind of like the district manager, I guess you can say. For example, if one of you would be a manager of a bunch of Starbucks, the district manager, you'd be sent by corporate to go ahead and to check on, on all these different stores in the region. That's what John is doing. God is speaking to John, the district manager, revealing the word of God to the churches that is living during this time in 95 AD. Yes, this book was written years and years and years ago, but it still applies to us today. Amen? So again, the seven churches are Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Theatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, but we're here to focus on Laodicea, the last church that is found in the book of Revelation. The faithful churches were under attack. And the book of Revelation is a warning that things will get worse. That many people will become apathetic. They're going to make compromises. People, more people are going to become more immoral. And they will worship pagan gods. And in the end, it leaves us with two options. Number one, be faithful to Jesus and be persecuted. Because faithful Christians will be persecuted. That's a guarantee. That's a promise. Or deny Jesus and not be persecuted. I pray that our decision will be the former. That we'll be faithful to Jesus and that we'll be willing to be persecuted with joy. Amen. So just to backdrop a little bit with the Laodicea church. It was the wealthiest among the seven cities that's mentioned here. The seven churches. They were known for three things. And remember this. They were known for wool. Right? Remember we went to Oregon, Portland. Josh was really excited about wool. They said Portland was known for their wool. He even got me a hat that was made out of a special wool that's known for in Portland and Oregon. So they were known for wool, for making clothes and carpets. And second, they were known for their medicine, specifically the eye, the eye salve. Right? Right. Woo! Go Angela. Eye doctors, right? And then number three, banks. They were wealthy. They were wealthy. So again, they were known for their wool, medicine, and the bank. So the Laodicean church, we could break it down to these categories, three subpoints. Letter A, they are wealthy and materialistic. Letter B, they are proud and arrogant. And let her see they're apathetic and lukewarm. They're wealthy and materialistic. They're proud and arrogant. And they're apathetic and lukewarm for the things of God. The Laodicean church was arrogant and they were prideful. They grew apathetic and lukewarm and became self-sustaining. When I say self-sustaining, you would think, oh, what's wrong with being self-sustaining? When we self-sustain outside of God, when God is no longer in our picture and we no longer need and want Christ, the church neither becomes hot nor cold, meaning they become lukewarm. And when you're lukewarm, you become useless. And the attitude here, the Laodicean church was, for my sake, not for Christ's sake. What I want to do they live for worldly reputation, not for godly, not for Christ's reputation. It was a church, again, that was the wealthiest among them all, out of all the seven. But spiritually, 
they were the poorest. So spiritually, they were very poor. So the question, what was the problem? If they're materialistically, if they're wealthy, if they're doing well, what was the problem? They could help with ministry funds to other churches, to the other surrounding six churches in the region. What's the problem? What's wrong with becoming worldly rich? Because when we lose our sight of God and we focus on our worldly riches and our worldly status and our reputation, what happens is it's a scale. We become spiritually poor. I'm not saying that we cannot be rich, but that cannot be our main engine. We need the Spirit of God to fuel us, and we need the humility that comes with being spiritually rich. Again, the problem was that they became lukewarm. Somehow along the way, they became complacent, and they became dependent on their worldly status in their earthly careers and their jobs. It says here in verse 15, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. Verse 16, so because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. Verse 17, you say I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. The Laodicean church, who are once known and commended for, again, for their spiritual riches, spiritual discipline, spiritual passion, and spiritual purity. They are known for those things once, back in the day, but they had lost it. They became blind, and they became proud. Just like many churches in our surrounding region, just like many churches in 2021, they had lost their zeal. They had lost their focus. They had lost their love for their Lord Jesus Christ. Again, they had lost their spiritual riches. They had lost their spiritual discipline. They had lost their spiritual passion. And they had lost their spiritual purity. They became spiritually poor. They became spiritually spoiled and spiritually indifferent. They became spiritually complacent and they became rich in their own eyes. They've grown too big in their own eyes. Therefore, they became spiritually blind, spiritually spoiled, and spiritually indifferent. Spiritually blind, spiritually spoiled, spiritually indifferent. With that, let's start with point number one. You are indifferent. You are indifferent. We as a church, speaking to myself, I pray that we will not grow indifferent before the Lord. You have become indifferent for the things of God. When I say indifferent, this is what it means. It means uncaring, unconcerned, apathetic, unmoved, unsympathetic, cold, 
lazy for the things of God. It's like our attitude is whatever happens, happens. I just go with the flow. Whatever, that's someone else's problem, not mine. And they became rich in arrogance, but poor and broke in their spiritual costly grace before the Lord. I'll say that again. They became rich in arrogance and pride, but they became poor and broke in God's costly grace. Let's take a look at verse 15 to 16. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. And there's an imagery here. There's a connection here to each of the cities and the churches that's mentioned in the book of Revelation. Laodicea, they are known for their water, their aqueduct. And their underground aqueduct, they will receive their water supply through an underground aqueduct and would travel for miles and miles. And by the time the water reached the city, because if you look at the map, it is not near the water, the water would arrive lukewarm and dirty. Meaning it lost the coolness to refresh and the hotness to relax. Meaning the water was lukewarm and it was disgusting. Imagine drinking and bathing in water with no ice and no water heater. Therefore, the church, the Laodicean church, they became useless and pointless that the Laodicean church made God sick to his stomach. There are churches where God becomes angry towards. There are churches where God has compassion towards, where he loves the church. But there are churches where he looks at the church and makes God sick to the stomach, makes him want to spit you out of his mouth, makes him want to vomit you out of his mouth because you are no longer pleasing to his taste. In Laodicean church, they were known as a lukewarm church, neither hot nor cold. So what does this mean? What does this mean? And which one are we as a church today? Where do we stand? Where do you stand? The question is, where do you stand before the Lord? Are you lukewarm? Are you hot? Are you cold? Where are you? So point A, are you hot? When it says, are you hot? Sounds like a line from a K-pop song. When it's saying hot, it's talking about the genuine followers of Jesus Christ. Being hot is good. What it's saying here is, are those who are spiritually alive and well and are living a transformed life. Meaning their deeds, their actions, their faith is pure. Your deeds, again, it's a reminder, the deeds do not save us, right? The works do not save us because it is by grace. But because you are saved, you are led to do good deeds before the Lord. And what is the warning here in the book of Revelation, chapter 3 here with the Laodicean church, when it's asking, are you hot? Meaning you have lost your hotness. You have lost your genuine faith before the Lord. You are spiritually dead and you are dying and you are not living a transformed life. 
But if you're hot, you are sanctified. You are living a transformed life that is found in Christ. So again, the question, are you hot? Speaking of hot, it's a little hot in here, right? Can we turn the air conditioner a little bit? See, told you guys, loud d i s i n t i o n We like lukewarm. It's like, <laughs> let's just be humid. <laughs> Every Sunday, I'm just sweating. So again, the question, are you hot? So point B, the question, are you cold? Are you cold? And you would think, oh, cold, okay, it's good to be cold then. Nope, cold is not good. Cold means those who reject Jesus Christ and are spiritually cold and spiritually dead. They have no care for God's word or for God's church. They reject Jesus Christ and are spiritually cold. The question I asked was, are you hot? And then the second question was, are you cold? What does cold mean? Those who reject Jesus Christ and are spiritually cold. They have no care for God's word and God's church. They live outside of God and they live their own life and that is it. And let us see, are you lukewarm? The question, are you lukewarm? It means these people, these types of Christians, quote-unquote Christians, they are the worst out of the three. Because they pretend and they play church. They go to church because it benefits them. They use God. They pretend and claim to know God. Pretending to play the role of a Christian. Pretending to play Christianity. Those who blaspheme the Holy Spirit. It says Mark chapter 3 verse 29. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. They are guilty of an eternal sin. And what it's saying is we cannot reject the Lord when we know that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. But yet at the same time, we choose to live in the middle. We choose to be lukewarm. We choose to be half-hearted. God hates half-heartedness. And he will spit you out. And therefore, we must choose a side now. Are you hot? Are you cold? Are you lukewarm? Pretending to play the role of a Christian. Pretending to play church. God hates half-heartedness. There's no such thing as halfway crooks. You're either way, all the way, or you are not. Be hot or cold, never in between. You know, truth be told, it's actually, I think it's better to live a life cold and outside of God than to live in the middle, compromised. And I say this carefully because as a Christian, we are called to do better. We are called to know better. But after knowing Jesus Christ, after knowing Him as your Lord and Savior, yet still you choose, you make that deliberate option, that choice, the conscious decision to live a life right in the middle. I have church here on Sunday, and I have my life here during the weekday. I do what I want. If you're going to live in the world, don't do it half-heartedly. Do it all the way. 
If I'm going to live a life outside of God and live a compromised life, I will live all the way for the world. Why not? Because in fact, you are better off lost all the way in the world like the prodigal son than for you to be proud and to think that you are saved. In your mind, you think that you're doing well and you're playing Christianity, then God will spit you out of his mouth. But if I am cold, then there is hope for me. For when you are cold, there is repentance. Like the story of Zacchaeus. Like the prisoner on the right side of Jesus on the cross. You know, there's a quote that says, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. We must choose a side right now. Where do you stand? Do you stand with the Lord? Are you with him? Hot, all the way. Are you a genuine follower of Christ? Are you cold? Do you not know him? And if you don't, would you like to know him? He is the life, the way, the truth, and the life. And no one can go to God except through Jesus Christ. Are you lukewarm? Are you standing in the middle? Compromising, compromising, compromising. Good question to ask yourself is this. Just to see if you're standing right before God, if you're standing in the faith, in the right community, in the right church, who are your allies during the week? Who are your allies? Are they Christians or are they worldly individuals? Who are your brothers in arms? Who are they? Who are your fellow comrades? Who is in your inner circle? Who is speaking and whispering into your spiritual ears? Do not be half-hearted. You are indifferent. You became indifferent. Are you hot? Are you cold? Are you lukewarm? Leading to point number two, you are poor. You are poor. You are poor. Like, nope. Do you know what kind of watch I'm wearing? What kind of clothes I'm wearing? I'm talking about spiritually. You are poor. Verse 17. You say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. And the key phrase here is you do not realize. They don't realize. They don't know that they are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. That's what makes it sad. They don't realize. They don't see. But for those who are in God, you see. You realize and you know. You know the state that you're in. You are honest with yourself. In the late, in the evening, before you go to bed, you're journaling. You self-reflect. You put yourself before the Lord. You pray. You go on your knees and you ask the Lord, Lord. And you say to yourself before the Lord, you say, God, I am wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. May we never say, God, I am proud and I have it all figured out. But these individuals, they don't realize that they're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. This has nothing to do with your worldly status, with how rich you are, or how much money you have, 
or what kind of mansion you live in. Spiritually, they are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. And how sad it is when you don't realize and when you don't realize that you are lost eternally without the Lord. I pray to God for you and I pray that you pray for me and that you pray for yourself, that you stay close, close-hearted before the Lord, near the Lord, and always reflect and be true before the Lord. Amen? Amen. Be real before God. Be real before Him. As you're graduating, some of you have graduated already. You're working, and now that you are making money, before you knew what it was like to suffer a little bit, to have different jobs, two jobs, work at cafes here and there, trying to finish school, pay off tuition. But now that you have a job, now that you are making good money, do not be lost by the material things. Become too big and proud in your own eyes. Always thank the Lord, for it is He who gives and takes away. As Job says in Job 1.21, right? Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. And the key here is the Lord gave, and the Lord take, has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. Amen. Do not forget that it was God that gave it to you. Do not forget that time when you got on your knees to pray to God, God, please give me this job. I still remember when Angela, she was looking for a job, and when she got the call and she was just in tears, just being desperate before the Lord, and now that we have our job, now that we have our security, now we forsake the Lord, how dare we? We must thank Him every single day, each passing minute, each passing second. I was having a birthday dinner this week with one of my close friends, and we were on the topic of how do we feel after 30, at being at the age of 30, talking about how it feels not, in, not being in, in our 20s, and he was just talking about how he feels more confident because now he has a steady job, he has a house, now he has recognition from others, Others telling him that he is capable. And yes, those are good things, and they can make you feel confident. However, strip all that away. Strip all that recognition away. No matter how much recognition you may receive or how much money you may have in your account, that you may have in your bank account, if you do not have a genuine relationship with God, if your life is not grounded in Christ, you have nothing. You have lost it all. And the main thing and the focus here, again, point number two, you are poor, is do not lose your spiritual riches. When you needed him, you prayed to him, and you sought after him night after night. But now that you got what you wanted, 
Now that you finished school, now that you got the job that you wanted, and now that you have become rich, quote-unquote rich, in the eyes of this world, and have recognition in the eyes of this world, you have lost your spiritual way, and now the way that you are living, you are now dishonoring the Lord because you have become full, just like the Laodicean church. You have become full with arrogance and pride, thinking that it is somehow you are the one that have done it and not God. And now you have become blind and you are spiritually lost. And here's a reality check. And here's a truth. And it's not that nice. The truth is you are not that great. I am not that great. None of us are great. We are not that great. Before you had your job, you were desperate to pray to God. And now you have become spiritually poor. You have become spiritually lost. And the question is, how do I become spiritually rich in God? How do I become spiritually rich in God? Again, how do I? I want to be spiritually rich, but how do we do it? Revelation chapter 3, verse 18. What verse 18 tells us, with the Laodicean church, their solution was this. It says, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich. Soak that in a little bit. I'm going to read it slowly. And white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness. And salve to put on your eyes so you can see. In the beginning of the message, what did I ask you to remember? What were the Laodicean church known for? They were known for what? Wool. Medicine specifically. Ooh, Angela. I. And then? Bank. Money. How do you purchase gold refined in fire, white clothes, eye salves? What does that even mean? Let's understand it together. Amen? Letter A, buy gold refined in fire. Gold refined in fire is the priceless salvation of Jesus Christ. You want to buy gold that's free from any sin and corruption and impurity. You want pure gold that is refined by fire. The fire melts the gold. It brings all the impurities, all the wrong things to the surface, and you scoop it out. And that's how you make pure gold. It means the pure salvation that can be found, only be found in Jesus Christ. Again, so point A buy gold refined in fire you cannot find it in this world you cannot find it outside in a market somewhere on the ground somewhere this is gold that you can only buy from and it can come through jesus christ buy gold refined in fire so point b buy white clothes the garment of jesus christ we're not talking about white clothes dark clothes power rangers dressed in the color of your ranger and Jungkook 
wearing black all the time. I'm not talking about white physical clothes. We're talking about the robe, the garment of Jesus Christ. It's a garment that will cover up our shame. Because before the Lord, we are guilty and we are lost and we are shameful. And this garment, it will cover up our shame. It will cover up our sins. Luke 15, verse 22, again, the story of the prodigal son. What does it say here specifically? But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. The robe, the white clothes, the garment that's going to cover up our shame. And put it on the son. Put it on my child. Put it on my daughter. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet by white garments. So point C, by eye sauce. By eye sauce. What it means here is without the anointing of the eyes, of our eyes, as long as we still have the veil and we are covered, unless we get the anointing of Jesus in our eyes from him, we will be forever blind meaning you are spiritually blind. So we need his eyes off. We need him to put the drops in our eyes so that we're able to see, so that we can see once again. Without the salve to put on our eyes, we'll be spiritually blind forever. And this is the key. And here's the key out of all the three subpoints here. The key here is this. We cannot purchase these the gold refining fire, white clothes, the eye softs. We cannot purchase these with our own money, strength, and effort. We cannot buy with our earthly money in our bank accounts. It doesn't work that way. Only through Jesus Christ, only through the purchase that comes through Jesus Christ. Can you purchase gold, white clothes, and eye salves in Christ? Meaning without the parental consent of Jesus Christ, we cannot, and we need his seal. We need his signature to be able to purchase. We need the seal of his blood. We need the seal of his death and his resurrection. Can we purchase? Only then can we purchase gold, refined in fire, white clothes, and eye salves before the Lord. How do we buy them? Through Jesus Christ. How do I become spiritually rich? According to Revelation chapter 3, verse 18, through Christ. Can we buy gold, white clothes, and eye socks? And last point here, point number three. You are spoiled. Amen. <laughs> you are? <laughs> You are spoiled, and you are stubborn, and yes, I am. Letter A, you, 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 you are stubborn, hate discipline. You became too big in your own eyes. How scary it is to be in this place, to fall under this category. You lack discipline from the Lord. You have grown too big in your own, too little eyes. You become too big. 
One of my favorite passages in the Bible is found in Isaiah chapter 41. Specifically here, verse 14, well, 9, 10, 11, and then 12, 13, 14. But it says here, do not be afraid, you warm Jacob. I love that line, warm Jacob. Little Israel, do not fear. For I myself will help you, declares the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I remember reading this in high school and God reminding us, do not be afraid. Reminding me not to be afraid. Reminding me that I'm, I'm a warm. I'm little. I'm small. Little. Little Israel. Do not fear. Why? Because I myself, because the Lord is going to help us, declares the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. Meaning when we are small, God helps and rescues those. God helps and rescues those who are weak. God disciplines those he loves. God's purpose in disciplining is not to hurt his children or to punish his children, but to bring you back to him. I'll say it again. God's desire in disciplining you is not to punish you or to hurt you, but to bring you back to him. Because you belong to him, he disciplines us. Verse 19, those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. And the Bible goes on over and over again about disciplining us. Because he loves us. Deuteronomy 8.5 says, Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. Proverbs 3.12, Because the Lord disciplines those he loves. As a father, the son he delights in. Why? Because the Lord disciplines those he loves. Why? Because he loves us. Therefore, our answer is this, Hebrews 12, 7, endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. And what children are not disciplined by their father? If you're a teacher, meet, meet a child that has never been disciplined in his or her life. Monsters, monsters. We need discipline. Discipline keeps us in track in the right path, helps us enter the narrow gate. Again, that's not the main way. It's through Christ, but in Christ, through Christ, during the journey, in our walk with God, we need discipline. And the solution here is found in verse 19. So be earnest and repent. Be earnest and repent. And Paul tells us in Romans 2, 5 through 11, but because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, again, pride, stubbornness, repentance, they all fall in the opposite end of the spectrum, right? The scale. If you're stubborn and proud, there is no humility and repentance. If you're broken, humble, and you're full of repentance, then there is no stubbornness and pride. 
But because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are what? Storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath. When his righteous judgment will be revealed, God will repay each person according to what they have done to those who by persistence in doing good seek glory, honor, and immortality. He will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. There will be trouble and distress for every human being who does evil. First for the Jew, then for the Gentile. But glory, honor, and peace for everyone who does good. First for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For God does not show favoritism. Amen. Verse 20 to 22. Finishing with this. The three verses of the book of Revelation chapter 3. Let's end it with this. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Verse 21, to the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches, the open door, the open door of God's invitation is available, is open to us today, is made available to open for us today. And the question, who will open that door? It says, anyone. Is there anyone here in this room? Is there anyone who is listening? If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, is anyone listening here today? Will anyone in that church, will anyone in Laodicean church, will that one person open that door? It takes one person to start a revival. It makes one person to make that spark of change. Not, oh, it's fine. Attitude is, it's fine, not my problem. The other person will take care of it. It's okay. You have grown cold. And you have become lukewarm. Who will open that door? Who? To receive the greatest gift we have ever known. Who? Again, to dine. We've went over this many times as a church. To dine means what? It means to have a real, true, genuine intimacy. Fellowship and communion with God. When you eat with someone, it means all the debt has been paid for. You're forgiven. There's no animosity between the two individuals. So to die is to be united with God, with Christ, to be in a loving relationship with Christ. And it usually takes place in the last day. It was the last meal of the day. And it's a warning to us, right? When the night comes, it's the last meal, the night is almost over, then the door is going to close. Hurry up and eat. Hurry up and eat. Hurry up and come and eat. Because tomorrow is not promised. The food is available for you here today. But many will just stay in their own stubbornness, 
and the path that they're in. They'll eat the junk food, the cookies. There's a buffet of food that God, he has prepared for us, just like the prodigal son. The robe on him, ring on his finger, sandal on his feet. Hurry up and eat before the day of judgment comes, before the day is over and as judgment is near. Hurry up and eat. Closing with this. Talking about eating quickly, coming, and hurry up, eat. The day is almost near before the day is over as the judgment is near. Uh, As I was writing that, I was reminded of uh, we took a trip to Oregon uh, a few weeks ago, uh, visited Josh, and in one of the days we went from uh, Portland, uh, Oregon, to Seattle, Washington. Uh, It took about how many hours? Like three and a half, three and a half hours. And right before, as we're about to enter the train, we're waiting, uh, my stomach was kind of hurting. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go. I'm going to run, run it real quick. And what I thought was going to be quick, because usually I'm very fast, but it just was taking long. And I hear from walkie, I hear something, it's just... And then my intuition is like, okay, I think the train is leaving, so I need to go. So I try to do as quick as I can. There's a guy next to me in the stall. He's like doing shady stuff, bottles, pills, like literally dropping everywhere because there's a homeless issue there. And I'm like, oh, dude, there's a pill like rolls over right here. And I just I do this. I kick it to the side. I'm just trying to be fast as I can. And I'm running, I'm running, I'm running. Barely have everything done. I'm running. And then, you know, Ronnie, he held the train for me. I mean, this is like one of those trains you can't like hold, and he like held it. Like, I don't know how you did it, but I think he, he was like threatening that, like, I'm going to destroy now. But he held the train, and then we got in. The other two guys, Josh and Dan, already got in. And the urgency of us, imagine missing that train. You know, they're not going to wait for us just because we're our group, our friends, our family members are over there. Really, everything, salvation, is by individual basis. You could have parents that pray for you. You could have friends and pastor that prays for you. But at the end of the day, if you don't take ownership of your faith and your relationship with God, if you're not ready to board on that train right there in that very moment, you're going to miss it. And when you miss it, it is gone forever, for all of eternity. There is no second chance. So when it says here, here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone, now you're accountable because you heard the words of God here in Revelation 3. If anyone, are you listening? If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat and dine with that person and they with me. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says 
to the churches. Again, the train is here. Will you be ready? Will you be ready to get in? Or will you miss it? The saddest part, the saddest thing for any human being is to not know the Lord. They can have all the money and the mansion and the cars in this world. But if you don't know Jesus Christ, they are the saddest person in this world because they are lost forever for all of eternity. The saddest thing for any person is for them to reject Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. The saddest thing for any individual, for any human being, for any person is to pretend to know the Lord and live a pretend life by attending church and never really knowing the Lord and the Lord never knowing you. You must enter through the narrow gate for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and hell and many enter through it but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few find it will you find it will you get on board will you get on that train Laodicean Church Deep Roots Church first year we talked about the Ephesian Church how we have forsaken our first love by reminding us here today yes we have I mean we're not a rich church but we're much richer than we were when we started we have this beautiful space this building and we've gotten what we wanted even though it's temporary and not everything went our way, but we've grown blind. We've grown too proud and lost. And we've become too blind and too proud, too stubborn, too spoiled. Jesus will say to us, I never knew you. Away from me, you evil And he will say on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire. Prepare for the devil and his angels. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Amen. May we reflect today as our third year anniversary. We are the Laodicean church. We have lost our way. We need to humble ourselves and turn back to the Lord. Again, you have become indifferent. You have become poor and you have become spoiled. When we dine with Christ, as he gives us the answer, Can we purchase the gold? Can we purchase the white garment? Can we purchase them? Can we buy them? We can only buy them through Jesus Christ. There is no other way. Only in God can we buy these things. We cannot buy them with our own strength. 
can we have eyes to see and to buy the eyes off to be able to see the spiritual truth of the spiritual condition that we're in today. With that, I want to invite you to bow your heads and pray together. And at this time, can we just turn back to the Lord with humility and with repentance? May we turn back to Him and know that in Christ that we can buy the gold, that in Christ that we can buy the eyes off, that in Christ we can buy the white garment and that we can be made righteous once again. That it's only through Christ. It's only by the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Only by the blood of Jesus Christ can we purchase these things and can we dine with Him. He is knocking on the door. He is knocking on the door. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come and eat with that person and they with me. Be victorious. I will give the right to sit with me on my throne just as I am victorious. As I sit down with my Father on His throne, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Let us pray together. Father, we love you. Father, we need you. Lord, we don't want to miss the train. Lord, we don't want to grow too proud. closing prayer and then we're going to sing and in the end I'll close us in prayer at the end Uh, if you could just bow your heads with me and let us just pray together Heavenly Father you have been our dwelling place oh God thank you Lord for being our dwelling place thank you for being our shelter thank you for watching over us 
and for protecting us. For three years, God, you have been faithful. And faithful you are, and faithful you will continue to be, oh God. Lord, I just want to thank you for each and every single one of the members. I just want to thank you for their hard work and for their diligence and for their faithfulness before you, oh God. I pray you would instill within us a new passion, a passion, a new identity, and a new goal, a new pursuit, a heart that pursues after you with a pure heart and with clean hands, oh Lord. May we worship you in spirit and in truth, oh God. Guide us today as we're about to end this service with the song, Draw Me Close to You. May this be not just words that we say with our lips, just going through the motions, but Lord, we worship you with all of our hearts, in spirit and in truth, oh God. So we surrender ourselves to you. We worship you today. So God, we come before you and we sing this to you, oh God. Draw me close to you. Can we all stand to our feet together and sing this song together? Draw me close to you. Draw me close to you. Make it your prayer to Draw me close to you.
Heavenly Father, Lord, we repent before your holy throne, O God, before your feet, O Lord. And God, we are like worms, O Lord, worm Jacob, little Israel. We are small, but yet, Father, you hear us and you listen to us when we cry out to you, O Lord. Thank you, Father, for being an intimate God who has never left our side. Even when we have betrayed you, even when we have turned our backs away from you, Lord, you've always been faithful. You've pursued after us and you waited for us. You left the 99 for one to pursue after us. And when you found us lost and broken, you put us in our, on, our, on your shoulders, near close to your heart, O oh God. And you lead those who have young, and you draw close to the brokenhearted, O oh Lord. And we run away like the prodigal son, like the prodigal daughter. When we turn back to you, hoping that, God, we can at least be a slave or a servant, O oh Lord. You put a robe on us. You put a ring on our finger and a sandal on our feet. And you kill the, the fan calf and you give us the best feast to dine with you and to dine with God, with you, O oh Lord, our Christ, our Lord Jesus Christ. So God, we turn to you and we take heed of the warning and the chance that you give us here in the book of Revelation chapter 3. Here I am. I stand at the door and I am knocking. If anyone, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come. I will come in and eat and dine with that person. So God, we hold on to your promises. We open the door, O oh Lord. We open it, O oh God, and we welcome you in. Come, take full control over our lives, over my life, over the lives of the members, over our church, our Deep Roots Church. Watch over us. And God, we pray to you with earnest hearts and with repentant hearts, O oh Lord. For you are our rock and our redeemer. We love you. We thank you. Pray all these things in your precious Son. Jesus Christ, let me pray. And God's people pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. amen. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for waking us up to see another beautiful Sunday, allowing us to gather in your house and worship your holy name. Also, thank you, Lord, for your wonderful word that was prepared by Reverend Andrew as we enter a new week when we reflect on Revelation 3, chapter 3. About Laodicean church, help us not to grow lukewarm and spoiled like them. Fill us with your Holy Spirit and love every day so that we are spiritually rich and never lose a heart, a passion for you, to love you, to worship you, to do good deeds, to glorify your name, and continue to discipline us for our walk with you and keep us humble for we are your children. We're willing to listen and obey. And thank you for this time of offering. May our hearts be filled with joy and love for you at all times. We thank you for everything that you do. We love you and we honor you. We pray everything in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, let's all take our seat and let's go over the announcements. Uh, let me just go over real quick. If you could continue praying for Aisha Rain.
And if you could continue to pray for Life Reach later during our fellowship, uh, we're going to show a clip, uh, just the update of San Jose, uh, the video that was sent to me and from Pastor Rolex. And I would like to show you, and we made a donation. We made a $600 donation, and we made $700 donation recently, and then we're going to continue to do so. We're not going to give a big amount all at once, but we're going to do it continuously uh, with our partners. If you continue to pray for the Oregon Church, continue to pray for our partners, pray for the Konsanims, the nursing home. Uh, this past month, uh, well, this past, well, this month, the first nursing home that we did in September, uh, I went, and they said that the expectation was number four. Only four people were allowed to go upstairs, upstairs, and it was going to be me and, I guess, three people. But, uh, but they ended up having a lot of people. We had about 15 to 20 people, and all the konsanims, all the people were going to come. I think 15 total, but they told them, like, not to come, so only three showed up. And so when we were having our lunch, it was kind of, you know, cricket crickets, cricket crickets. But anyways, it was good times, but I want to encourage you to come. Uh, for the month of October, as the holidays are coming near, uh, let's just uh, really come and try to have a heart of, of serving, and really let's go and let's really make sure that we become a church that is effective and useful in the kingdom of God, and that we are faithful in the work and in the places where God has called us to be, amen? So with that, uh, just continue to pray for missions. Now, we don't know for sure if next year we're going to missions because of each country has different rules and laws of vaccination and different things here and there. It's just getting out of control. But what we can do is we can pray. Uh, we can pray and pray for God's direction. Uh, again, I had a plan to go to Turkey uh, in February. And also, if we do bring our team, it won't be next year but the year after that. And then we were going to visit the seven churches that we just talked about uh, in the book of Revelation. I thought that would be very cool. But just things are not looking too good. So I want to encourage you, uh, don't live in a bubble uh, within these walls. Know what's going on around you. Know the times that we're living in. Uh, read the book of Revelation. Uh, come to scripture study. Be ready. Be prepared. Know what's happening. And, and Get yourself equipped with the armor of God. Amen? So be ready. Be ready and be ready. And we're going to continue on with uh, we're gonna continue on with what we've been doing. Obviously, the holidays are coming up. We'll be having our Thanksgiving and our Christmas and, and, and all the fun stuff that comes along the way as the weather is becoming colder. Fall is my favorite weather, so I'm very excited with pumpkin spices. And I'm excited to be here with you. I'm excited to be in this season with you here in 2021. And I want to encourage you, don't be discouraged. When you, whenever you feel discouraged, and I get discouraged, and when you feel discouraged, look to God, look to him, and him alone. And he will give us the strength that we need to pursue and to continue on and to be in being faithful and being the faithful church. I just want to give a big hands for the people that prepare everything for here today. Can we just give a big clap? <laughs> and if you did it, just clap. Just pat yourself in the back. Just kidding. Konsanyas was about to just start. It's like, it's, like, it's like this. Yes. Um, just want to thank you all for uh, just walking this journey together. I'm very proud of us. Proud of you. And I hope that you're proud of me and that we're proud of each other and that we are always praying for one another. Amen. So God bless you. I love you. Can we all stand to our feet and let's close the service with the benediction. Let us pray together.
May the Lord bless you, and may the Lord keep you, and may he shine his face upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and bring you peace. May the unending pursuit, and may the unending grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the gentle counsel and the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, which surpasses all the knowledge of this world, keep you guide you and protect you forevermore and as God's people we pray amen and amen God bless you guys I love you guys happy third anniversary